Hey there, this is Anishma Jumdar, career coach. Get ready for something transformative with Aubrey Johnson and the road to rediscovery. Our lives are laid out on a road of bumps, turns, struggles, and more. How do we respond? How do we endure adversity for learning and growth? I'm Aubrey Johnson, and we'll explore these questions and more on the road to rediscovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons to learn and grow from them, and of course, pay it forward and help others who are struggling through dark times. Now, as you know, on The Road to Rediscovery, we are very, very, very focused on delivering quality content that is of value to you and your personal growth. If you like what you hear, please visit roadtorediscovery.com slash donate. That's road the number two, rediscovery.com slash donate. We'll give you a shout out in a future episode. And as always, there is no obligation. We are truly, truly grateful for your listenership. My special guest is a religious trauma survivor who was raised in a Christian cult and endured religious trauma abuse. He's part of the LGBTQ plus community and has thrived in pursuing psychology to help other survivors. He's a coach, podcaster, writer, content creator, and activist. We're going to hear about his tremendous journey and learn what he means when he says, you are your own hero. Ladies and gentlemen, let's please welcome Andrew Pledger to the show. Hi, Andrew. How are you, man? Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. I am doing good. I am so excited for this, and I am so grateful that you are having me on today. Oh, thank you. We're equally grateful for your willingness to come on to the show for sure. So, um, Andrew, I want to just start off by um, if you can help us out by understanding, okay, what is the differentiator between, you know, that makes a Christian cult or religious cult um, versus, say, a community or congregation that you you would see in any everyday church? Mm -hmm. Mm, yes, I think this is a, a great question because there can be a lot of confusion between the two. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, we have some research out there to help people distinguish between what is a cult and what is a religion. And, you know, we have Stephen Hassan's Bite model and Lipton's Criteria for Thought Reform. And these are two of the models that I use to really analyze the background that I grew up in. And so Stephen Hassan's BITE model, which stands for behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control, mm -hmm. and all these different aspects of that. So how far is a group going to control your behavior? Mm -hmm. How far are they willing to control information you're exposed to? And also the environment that you're in. And do they discourage a lot of critical thinking? And do they tell you how to interpret your emotions? And those are general things. And through Lipton's criteria for thought reform, that really helped me get a lot of the specifics. And for people who don't know my background, I grew up in the independent fundamental Baptist cults. And I'm just going to be talking about from that example, from my experience, when I realized that was a cult. And one of the things that st stood out to me was 
part of Lipton's criteria is called sacred science. And it's when the group claims that their way is the only way. Mm-hmm. And in the IFB, they claim that the King James Version of the Bible is the only legitimate Bible, that all other versions are false or influenced by Mm -hmm. Satan, and that their interpretation of the Bible was the most correct, and anyone who didn't agree with them was a lesser Christian or not quite right with God yet. So they took this very extreme approach to that this is the only way and even like demonizing other christian denominations within you know that religion and that's something that has really stood out to me as i left seeing and looking back how much they demonized other christian groups and christian denominations who did not agree with that and you know another aspect of that um lifting's criteria is this demand for purity or in Lipton's criteria is like you have to follow the group's rules perfectly mm-hmm. or there's some kind of consequence for it. Um, you you know, you either have to confess to someone or go to the altar or feel so much shame about it. So it's this constant cycle of I feel so much shame and guilt for not doing everything perfectly for what the groups tell me. So it's just this cycle of okay i feel good because now i'm following the group's rules oh well now i'm not i feel so much shame and i feel broken oh no i have to get right again and just it happens over and over again and the ifb really thrives on fear shame and guilt and it uses this to control people so they loved fire and brimstone sermons to really scare people so much and constantly talking about the end times and it was interesting because they they had the answer they told you they had the answer to get to heaven and you could feel secure but they would always make you doubt it they would always make you doubt it to keep you dependent on the group and looking back i see that if you didn't agree 100 percent with the group if you didn't love their teachings or agree with it completely that was a sign that you possibly you know you were going to hell and just hearing so many graphic messages um from such a young age uh was you know was a big part of my religious trauma honestly and sadly children are broken down really at such a young age in this specific environment Mm -hmm. um but i think it can be hard for people to look at a group and be like, is this a religion or a cult? So I think a a big thing to look for is what is the reaction to the person leaving the group? How are they treated once they leave the group? Is there a smear campaign? Um, Are they shunned? Are they cut off from everyone? Are they the other? And that's another common sign. It's this extreme us versus them mindset. We can't trust people at all outside the group and we can't socialize with them and you know we're the ones in the group we're saved we're right it's kind of has this superiority um complex to it so i think that is a big indicator and there are healthy religious environments and that's something i didn't experience until my college years which is really strange to me yeah and i'm going to talk about just a little bit because you know when I finally found a healthy church in my college years, it was 
the exact opposite of what I grew up in. And it was really weird to me um, going to a church and actually feeling love and community and feeling mm -hmm. safe, not having all this screaming and yelling and constant putting down and hateful messages. It was right. like genuinely love <laughs> and like Christ wanted <laughs> anyways. Yeah. yeah. So it was really strange to me, but it was, I think it was good for me to experience that because I had to get this, I, this very narrow idea of what a Christian meant because that was my experience with it. So I needed to explore other ways that people do it or different ways that people see it. And that's just a quick little rundown um, of the differences between a religion and a cult. Well, well, thank you for sharing that, Andrew. I really mm -hmm. appreciate that because um, I, I think that that really, that really um, um, clarified um, mm -hmm. a lot of questions I know that mm -hmm. I had, and I'm sure that our mm -hmm. listeners have. And so um, there's two things I want to know. First off, I, I want to know, um, because of the abuse and the trauma you went mm -hmm. through in this Christian cult, and, 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 and then making that transition or taking that chance, that step mm -hmm. to a healthy religious community or a healthy congregation, mm -hmm. um, um, was there any degree of nervousness or not skepticism so much, but, but maybe fear and nervousness mm -hmm. being, uh, from what you've gone through mm -hmm. initially uh, into thinking that it could possibly be the same in this mm. environment yeah yeah it's interesting just for a little context for people i i i did this i changed to a different kind of church in my college years and i was at i was at bob jones university okay. <laughs> so this is when i did that and also for context i was also homeschooled my entire life for the mm. purpose of indoctrination and was exposed to a lot of fundamentalist christian propaganda mm -hmm. so that definitely also played a big role in that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, while at Bob Jones, it was crazy to me because I was not, the church I changed and went to in my college years, I wasn't even allowed to go to um, Bob Jones University standards. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was funny and it was it, that, that made it scary <laughs> that I was going to a church I wasn't even allowed to go to, but mm. I wanted to experience progressive Christianity because that's something I had never been exposed to. Right. And I was really curious and yes, I was really nervous about it. And I tried to, you know, emotionally prepare myself and <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised and, even though it was a healthy environment, there were still things in it that were triggering, phrases that were triggering to me, songs that were triggering because yeah. of the trauma my, my mind and brain had associated with those experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it, it was really scary, but I'm, I'm glad I took that chance because that's how I was able to connect with people yes. outside of that fundamentalist group because <laughs> I needed to, I had to get out of that environment. So that was nice for me to connect with people outside of this environment and honestly, just have a place where you can actually belong and feel safe. And that's so important to us as human beings, we need that. And that was a need that wasn't fulfilled growing up. And it was right. great to be able to find that in a healthy religious environment. 
Very nice. Very nice. And, uh, and, and I'm glad you took that chance as well, you know, and I think one of, it sounds like Andrew, one of the, um, one of the driving forces in you taking that chance is curiosity, you know, and, and yes. I think it's important for us to, to, to be curious and to remain mm -hmm. curious throughout our, throughout our lives, because mm -hmm. um, in my, in my, background um i always have the mindset that i'm always learning mm -hmm. there's we don't know everything yes. we don't have everything figured yeah. out right mm -hmm. yeah yes. so uh i wanted to see if you could share with us just some examples of the trauma that mm -hmm. you um you, mm -hmm. you reflected on or knew or mm -hmm. felt that you were going through um mm -hmm. you know at the time you were trying to make the decision to separate yourself from this group um i i guess using the bite model um what what were some of the um what were some of the uh, uh examples of abuse mm -hmm. and trauma you've gone through that may have had an impact on your emotions or on your mm. beliefs and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the first memory I have of, of a kid of that religious trauma mm -hmm. is I think I was around seven or eight years old and there was a guest preacher at the church I grew up in mm -hmm. and he told a very horrific graphic sermon on hell mm. and it was, I had never heard such a descriptive, it was just all the graphic things he would talk about, how demons would do all these things to you. Yeah, and then to yeah. have to have my parents reaffirm that. And I was so, so scared of that. And oh I struggled with nightmares from such a young age. Yeah, And I remember, you know, coming home from that church service and mm -hmm. just not being able to sleep. And um, I was just so scared because, you know, I was, given all these horrific images and ideas of hell and also being told that, you know, being described to these horrific spiritual beings or demons that are around me constantly and are mm -hmm. constantly messing with my thoughts. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, can I even trust anything that's happening yeah. <laughs> in my mind? Or is this, am I being influenced by this or that? And, you know, my mom came into the room and, you know, she, she showed me the plan of salvation um that the ifb taught okay and was like it was like admit that you're a sinner uh believe that jesus died on cross and confess your sins mm -hmm. and you know she's like oh once you do that you'll be fine there's no need to worry and you know once that happened that did calm me for a little bit but you know there's always that they would try to plant that seed of doubt yeah. in your mind that you possibly weren't saved yeah. If you didn't follow these certain rules or do these certain things. So that fear was kind of always there. And the idea that spiritual warfare was constantly happening, oh, it kind of, yes. it kept you in like a state of hypervigilance, yes. I guess you would say. And, um, and to me, that was, that was the first memory of that. And I think, you know, in addition to that, basically being taught from an early age that you were so wicked, you were so depraved, there's nothing good inside of you. Mm. It's really harmful, especially like for developing children. Yeah, right. Developing children need to build healthy self-esteem. Yes, yes. But what I've realized looking back on the IFB 
it was never about what was doing best for children or what was healthiest for children. It was about what could break the child down mm -hmm. and what could make them conform to this ideology and what will make them grow up and stay in this group and continue to push this. Idea. It was never about what was best emotionally or psychologically for the child. It's about <laughs> obedience and conformity. Yeah. That was the priority for them. And mm. so in addition to that, I had these teachings reinforced at home and, you know, homeschooling and then at this cold side grew up and the interaction between both of these had a big impact. But I mean, there were times growing up, my parents really used religion to control and abuse. They, I remember, I remember being told from a young age, and this is an instance that I remember that I was basically, I wanted like a candy bar um, from the store because I did something good. And I'm like, oh, well, I did this good thing. So right. I deserve this. Right. I want, you know, I accomplished something. And yeah, I remember my mom being really harsh. And she was like, oh, no, you don't deserve that. You deserve to burn in hell for eternity. That's oh what gosh. you deserve. So it was just oh. such a harsh reactions like that from a young age. So I think I learned very quickly early on that I could never be loved or accepted for really myself, that I had to conform to this ideology and people please in order to get the the praise and the esteem I at least tried to get as a child. And, you know, other things, um, my parents did have a lot of very harsh physical punish punishments growing up especially my father right. and so you know we lived me and my brothers we lived in fear of like messing up or making mistakes mm -hmm. afraid they would get physical punishments so we we really walked on eggshells a lot we learned not to have like show our emotions we learned not to have opinions about oh, anything and mm -hmm. just just kind of keep quiet conform and just obey and you know no problems were addressed in my family at all growing up so there was just you know a very toxic family dynamic and you know and especially like even at home and at church hearing so many hateful messages about the lgbtq plus community did yeah. have a major impact on me once you know i was aware of my own sexuality and like the confusion because I was taught that it wasn't, or that I was taught that it was a choice, but I wasn't experiencing it that way. So it was really um, confusing to me. And you know, for the longest time, I didn't think I met their criteria of, you know, their version of sexuality because it didn't meet meet their extreme view. Mm -hmm. But once I really learned about sexuality a little bit at least and understood, it was really it was hard because when you're told over and over again, you know, that God, like you're an abomination really. Oh, and yeah, that, yeah. Um, and is in that environment, it's like God hates, like has this special hatred for you. That's worse than anything else in that environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really, especially, you know, from that young age, it really destroys your self-esteem and, you know, growing up, I did find comfort in believing there was a higher power that cared about me somewhere. Right. Even though that message wasn't always consistent, it, 
it changed. That was, that was another thing. The, the kind of love bombing that happened in that environment is that sometimes God seemed like this amazing, loving being. And other times it seemed like he was so angry and hateful and wanted to destroy you. So I was just really confusing sure. um, from such a young age. And it's just a lot of that, just all those messages, all those years just being internalized you know, with the very anti-LGBTQ plus um, things, just completely just having you deny your own humanity right, and right. have you feel shame for it. Mm-hmm. And at times that there were a lot of, you know, even at the, my church had a Christian camp, like there were a lot of psychologically abusive messages. Like I remember as a, you know, in elementary school at that age, going to this Christian camp mm-hmm. and having these adults tell me that, you know, I better share the gospel with anyone and everyone that I can, or I could be the reason that someone burns in hell for eternity. Mm-hmm. And having just, again, this fear, shame, and guilt through all these different kinds of messages that really, they, they really break you down as a person and they don't let you, you don't really get to form your own identity and sense of who you're, who you are. And you're disconnected from your body, your thoughts and emotions. So you're really under their control. Mm-hmm. And the thing with mental health, when I started struggling with mental health in my teen years in this group, there's a lot of shame and blame on that. So in addition to that, you know, if you're struggling with mental health, it's because you're not conforming to the group's rules or you're not praying enough or you need to read the Bible more. Um, and so I learned to try to hide mental health symptoms, which of course made them much worse. And, you know, I did struggle a lot with depression in my teen years, horrific depression. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where like, I couldn't hide that anymore. And my parents didn't know what to do and they really didn't handle it well at all there was a lot of shame and blame around that too which of course made me want to hide it more and you know there were all kinds of trauma responses that happened to help me adapt and deal with that and so in these situations you know because i couldn't physically escape um the freeze response was usually most common to me and for people don't realize what that is a freeze response in that kind of situation is when you disassociate um your mind basically or consciousness in a way leaves your body or part of you leaves it and like you're trying not to feel anything right in that moment and not feel those emotions or those experiences Mm -hmm. and so yeah disassociation was a common thing for me and the fawn response was another one which is just um is people pleasing but to the point of like you're not taking care of any of your needs you're not considering that you have needs at all it's just constant giving and doing things to people please to feel like you have worth and that you are worthy and that your worth is kind of sadly based on that mm. um and you know, and there are different mental health symptoms that, you know, my mind and body were trying to communicate to me that something is wrong. But since I was taught to have such a distrust of that, um, I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, oh, this has to be Satan. I just have to resist and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did struggle a lot with that through my teen years and getting into college years 
it didn't really get any better because Bob Jones has his roots in fundamentalism. And there were a lot of spiritually and emotionally and psychologically abusive messages that I had to be subjected to while I was still there. And the constant like indoctrination and while I was there and the pressure to do so many things and stay busy at Bob Jones was very overwhelming and triggered a lot of more <laughs> triggers, you know, from the environment I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And so while at Bob Jones, probably like, I think it was around midway my college career by my sophomore year, I discovered the term religious trauma. It was understanding that, you know, this is trauma from a lot of the abusive messages mm-hmm. I was subjected to in, mm-hmm. you know, in these religious environments. And, you know, that was a lot for me to even realize that, oh my gosh, the thing I I know they've been trying to indoctrinate me with all these years, it has caused so much harm. Having that realization all at once is just, it's really a lot to deal with and really process. And for me, I just kind of repressed that and put that aside because I didn't want to deal with that in that moment. And and really that's kind of, that was the moment, I guess, that I really started on my journey of like deconstructing and questioning the background that I grew up in. Very nice, very nice. Um, and, uh, and and that was a defining moment in your life, it mm. sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew, I can't begin to imagine the odds that you mm. were up against as a child mm. um, when, you know, usually, you leave the house and go somewhere like school or mm-hmm. um, friend's house or something, and you get chastised. Um, your mm-hmm. your esteem is attacked. Mm-hmm. Your confidence is attacked, and you can always find you know peace and solace at home, where mm-hmm. your parents reassure you, no, you are of value. Mm-hmm. You are worthy. You are um, um, you know meaningful to to people you're, you're important, you matter, you know? Um, but it, it, but it, it really sounds like there were, there was fire and brimstone in the teachings. And, mm-hmm. um, if you don't do this, you're going to burn in hell. And if you do this mm-hmm. and this, then you're reconciled, but only for a little time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and then, you know, just again, attacks on your self-esteem, during mm-hmm. those formative years, right? They're called yeah. formative years for a reason because mm-hmm. you're forming, yes. you know, your confidence, um, your identity, who you are, mm-hmm. your self-esteem. Yeah. And so that takes a beating um, mm-hmm. emotionally, mentally, yeah. psychologically, and and then to come home for that solace and reassurance from the parents. Mm-hmm. And your parents are basically affirming what you heard in mm. those teachings. Um, mm. So, so that, that leaves you almost with nowhere, nowhere to go. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah. I really want to thank you for sharing and giving us a glimpse into mm-hmm. your, um, your experiences with the abuse mm-hmm. and what type of, of abuse that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that was. So mm-hmm. um, that really opens the eyes and ears for, uh, for the listeners. Now, mm-hmm. one of the questions I, I had for you, Andrew, was, um, the um, I'm sure there's there's common themes in these um, Christian or religious cults, um, like the bite model, right? Um, mm-hmm. Do they do they have a um, do they take a stronger presence or influence over your beliefs, your thoughts, your emotions, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, to 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 help determine, you know, am mm-hmm. is this what I'm in? You know, um, I wanted to know if um, 
if there's another common theme in these groups, um, you, you mentioned a strong us or an extreme us versus mm -hmm. them type of yeah. you know approach. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And so is 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 there another common theme in these groups in which there's 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 one central figure who is I'm, I'm trust me, I'm really trying to stay away from the word prophet, but but just one yeah. influential um, I know what uh, you mean. Yes, like the leader. Person. Yeah, that mm -hmm. that 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 mm -hmm. may that may seem mm -hmm. to believe um, more of of what I guess giving himself credit for what he's teaching versus a higher mm -hmm. power. Mm -hmm. Is that a, is that a common theme as well, or, or not? yes, that is definitely a common theme, and that was something I too questioned in the environment mm -hmm. I grew up in was the devotion. Mm -hmm. And really obsession that people had with the pastor in my church mm -hmm. and this was a red flag to me in my teen years when this happened i didn't know how to deal with it or label it but mm -hmm. i remember there was you know a, a member of the group who was praying in the pulpit and they were praying to jesus or god and they were like dear god help us to be more like brother bobby mm -hmm. and that really stuck out to me because we were you know, there were moments they taught us to be more like Jesus, but then again, this member just prayed, help us to be more like our leader. Mm -hmm. And the obsession that people had over him, and even my own parents, they would just get so emotional. And they would actually at times get upset with me because I wasn't enamored right. at all with him. Right. I didn't have this extreme admiration or devotion to him that they did. And right that's why I think my parents stayed there so long is that this mm -hmm. devotion that they had to him. And, you know, looking back, another red flag was when people left the environment, I would hear my parents say things like, Oh, I can't believe they left. Like they're not devoted to brother. Bobby. Uh, chest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, brother Bobby. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, oof. And the way they would, talk about him it was like he was jesus himself and honestly and i get what you're saying this there's this charisma yeah. about them right and you know and it's interesting because i remember when he died my parents were saying they said oh that was the last great christian that we had on this planet and he just oh, died wow, wow. Yeah, that's a red flag you know and uh and and you know with these with these types of leaders Mm -hmm. I'm a huge believer of energy feeds off of energy. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as this leader, um, having the charisma, um, conveying mm -hmm. that energy, uh, and I'm not saying it's good or bad energy, but conveying the energy to draw, to mm -hmm. draw the, um, um, to draw the attendees or to draw the people in the community to this person, you mm -hmm. know, and then of course that energy uh, from mm -hmm. the people that are drawn to him or her, um, they feed off of that and start mm -hmm. to believe that they're the yeah. ones delivering the message and not from a higher mm -hmm. power. So, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it sounds like energy fed off of energy in, in mm -hmm. that case. And I guess in a lot of cases where um, religious cults have this type of, you know, recurring theme. Um, Andrew, I'd like to now just quickly pivot to um, see if you can give us a glimpse into some of the great work that you're doing to, um, to, to help 
um, to, to help others who mm-hmm. may feel or have doubts or, or think that they're, they could possibly be in a religious cult. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So kind of about the work that I've been doing is really telling my story to encourage others and mm-hmm. encourage them to speak up. And that's why I started my podcast, Speaking Up with Andrew Pletcher, to have people like give them a platform to tell their stories and to encourage other people to speak up mm-hmm. but you know if someone is listening and they have doubts or is wondering if they're in a cult yeah i would suggest not being vocal about that to members in the cult because that is never ends up well at all right, right. there's usually right. a lot of shame and blame around that or you know like oh you're not good enough or you're not you know trusting the leader or the group enough yeah Yeah. and so i think people i think the thing that makes it really hard i mean if you are even questioning your group that's a great thing sign for you personally yes um because people who are indoctrinated into a cult never think they're in a cult Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at all they never do Uh, Not until some kind of awakening happens, some wake-up call happens. So if you're even questioning that, I think that's a good sign that you still have your critical thinking skills Mm -hmm. and you have a sense of identity. But I would say um, to people who are questioning, um, you know, there are plenty of cult podcasts online. You can hear other people's stories too and see similarities and learn. You can research online the criteria for a cult like Stephen Hassan's bite model Lipton's criteria for uh, thought reform Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and understanding that and you know leaving a cult it's not easy because it's your whole world and it's purposely set up that way you're so dependent on the group you know your family is in it and your your friends are in it and at times you're you know it's your school too and there's just so much playing into it and you don't have and unless you learn to secretly um, network, which is what I did, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, I had to secretly do that, but mm-hmm. uh, in order to get out. But while you're in that group and you find out that it is a cult, or you're realizing that, you know what, this is not a healthy environment. I need to find a healthier faith community. Or if you want to leave it all together, that's fine. Only yeah. you know what is healthiest are best for you so learning to tune into your intuition which i know is easier said than done after that indoctrination but a lot of what i do since leaving that cult is you know um, sharing cult information and education bringing awareness to religious trauma and you know talking about what is a healthy religion or healthy environment and what's not and teaching people um, general psychology to help them learn to know really what they need in order to psychologically thrive and grow as a person. Very nice. Very nice. So um, you're helping to transform lives and and really um, um, impact others by mm-hmm. sharing your story, um, spreading the message. 
and uh and and it's uh that that's that's tremendous those are tremendous efforts um that you're doing um broadening the awareness right that's very mm. important it took a lot of awareness on your part to mm. to kind of determine okay mm -hmm. what is this i'm going through mm -hmm. why is this taking a hit on my esteem my you mm -hmm. know why is it taking a hit on me psychologically and mm -hmm. uh, and and that takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of motivation because mm -hmm. what you're diving into and what you dove into andrew is not pleasant but you have no. to go through that murkiness mm -hmm. of of yeah. of unpleasantness to 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 find the fresh flowers, so to speak, the mm. fresh smell, the fresh sense. Um, so you come out on the other side, you know, um, a, a transformed person mm. and equipped to transform others. So, uh, Andrew, yeah. this is absolutely wonderful. So can you Thank share you. for, oh, absolutely. I appreciate and commend you for the work that you're doing in, in helping people, um, first off, determine whether or not that's the environment they're in. And then secondly, mm -hmm. by sharing your story and mm -hmm. giving them uh, um, visibility to resources, mm -hmm. um, helping them determine how you know, mm -hmm. how to get out. So Andrew, how can the listeners learn more about you, follow you, and even mm -hmm. su subscribe to your, excuse me, subscribe to your podcast? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm very active on social media. Just mm -hmm. look up Andrew Pledger. And um, I, I also, I'll give you a link to, for the show notes, I have like a, a basically a link tree, a lot of, um, links to my social media, my mm -hmm. podcast. I try to make it so it's very easy for you to find things. But yeah, I on my website, I have a section of a, a lot of free resources for people to look into that are in different sections mm -hmm. that really they're resources that helps me. <laughs> and I've been like <laughs> collecting them, trying yeah. to put them together for other people to find so they don't have to take so long to find those resources. And really that's what i i hope to that people will look at and that that will help them on their recovery journey fantastic fantastic well we'll make sure and put those links as well as the link to your podcast uh in the episode show notes so that our listeners can click those links as they are listening to this wonderful episode and uh, in this wonderful conversation to um to you know to to, to see those resources mm -hmm. and to subscribe to your show so andrew pletcher um once again sir um a true pleasure having mm -hmm. you on the show i uh, hope we can stay in touch and uh and 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 i just wish you continued success in um you know impacting and transforming you know others you know from mm. from from such a traumatic experience thank you for coming on the show andrew of course thank you so much um for giving me this platform and i have greatly enjoyed coming on your show oh thank you we enjoyed having you here and i want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening and look if you have a neighbor a neighbor a loved one a colleague um who seems to be going through dark days. Um, they just don't see themselves. Uh, they're in a dark place, not quite sure where to turn or who to turn to. I humbly ask that you please share this show with them because on the road to rediscovery, there are two things we want our listeners to know. Number one, you're not alone. And number two, there is always hope. The road to rediscovery, it's a movement, a revolution. And guess what? You are now part of it.
We're all roadies on this journey of life, and it sure feels good having you on the road with me. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of The Roads Rediscovery. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at roadsrediscoverypodcast at gmail.com and leave us any questions or comments you may have. The Roads Rediscovery is an AJ Shark production.